Take it. The cops look out there. Stand back. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bipolar Teddy Bear. Uh I am David Reed. I have got my buddy, Mr. Cecil Fletcher, here with us, and we are going into part three. Part three of Eddie Wayne Edwards. We're into the menage a trois now. Menage a trois, the trinity of fucked. <laughs> no doubt. So, all right, as we discussed in the first episode on <coughs> Ed Edwards, throughout the 70s, Ed was traveling the country alone, preaching uh, that he was a rehabilitated man. Rehabilitated? Yeah. Reformed. Reformed. Reconstituted. No more crown for Ed. Squeaky clean. But we've already proved that to be bullshit. Yeah, that's a load of shit right there. <laughs> uh, during the 70s, um, just because he had represented himself as a reform man, he definitely was not, was he? No, he was just trying to sell them books. Trying to sell them books. Um, the first, you know, I, I, I spaced there. I, I made the list here. And after about the 70th hour of discussion and like the fourth revision, I was like, "Fuck it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're we're gonna touch on the key ones because there's a few that you know. There's a lot more between everything that's happening now. If you want to research this, please do. There's just way too much, and we're trying to make this only a three-part episode. So <laughs> we don't we don't want to turn we don't want to turn the entire bipolar teddy bear ped, uh, podcast into just Ed Edwards because yeah. it could do so. Very much so, yeah. So, um, the first one I guess we'll cover, um, just because it's kind of tied to the Zodiac killings, Marine Lewis Sterling and uh, Vaughn Lewis Weber, both 12 years old, are murdered, and they're the first Highway 101 murders. Um, the reason I bring it up is just because they're, they're linked to the Zodiac killer, and I think yeah. the Zodiac killer was the 101 murderer. And but, they, these are also known as the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murders. Yeah. Um, so, we'll, we'll move right along. Um, the the next big one, I figured you'd like this one. You know, because I'm, I'm into the, yeah. uh, I'm into this stuff, so. Guess who Ed was in prison with? Who? At Lewisburg Penitentiary. A guy by the name of Jimmy Hoffa. Wow. And if you don't know who Jimmy Hoffa is, then you've been under a rock, probably. Which is probably where his body is right now. And I, I messed up on that one, friend. Let's just do that takeover again. It was Leavenworth. I'll, oh, I'll okay, all right. One. All right. <laughs> so pick, pick, pick back up. Yeah. So you were saying that's something I'd like? Yeah. Okay. All right, so the next one is something that you I figured you would like. Definitely, because this is the kind of stuff I'm into. I know uh, quite a bit about. 
guess who Ed Edwards was in prison with? Who's at, that? He was in a penitentiary, penitentiary with a guy by the name of Jimmy Hoffa. Wow. And if you don't know who Jimmy Hoffa is, you've been under a rock. Uh, this is one of the most high-profile unsolved mysteries in you know this past century. Uh, he was a union leader, you know, associated with the mafia. Blah blah blah. Never found his body. And uh, oh, Ed was in prison with Jimmy. Yep, they spent time together. Where at? Leavenworth. Leavenworth, Leavenworth prison. prison. Yep. And um, side note, uh, he also spent a little time with Charlie Manson there too. I think we might have talked about that. But ain't it strange that all three of those guys were at the same prison at the same time? No, that's, that's wild. It's it's uh, extraordinary. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, he got uh, Jimmy Hoffa was you know involved in a whole lot of stuff with the Teamsters Union, uh, the Mafia, so on and so forth. He was actually pardoned by Richard Nixon in 1970 for some of the uh, crimes he was charged with um, and Ed Edwards kids have stated that Edwards was really into the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa after Ed was released uh, uh, in 67 uh, he went on numerous shows that included as we said before to tell the truth yeah and um, while on the show, Ed said he was committed, uh, that he had committed the crimes for fame, basically, uh, when he was on the show. And he said after leaving prison, he was looking for bigger and better things for fame to do for fame. Yeah, after leaving prison. So all the crimes, so Ed being the puzzle brain he is, it seems like he puts everything right out there. like. Hey, I committed all these crimes for for fame. Now that I'm out of prison, I'm gonna do bigger and better things for fame. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Ed got he got such a rush out of this. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, he was you know he was the kind of when he was a kid he was the kind of kid that did crimes just for the fun of it you oh, know yeah. to cause chaos. He was an agent of chaos for sure. Yeah. Um, so he, he claimed to be a reformed man, but the way that he, he knew Jimmy Hoffa very well, didn't he? Like, yeah. Yeah. They, I think they spent a lot of time talking together while they were in prison. Talking. Communicating. Talking. <laughs> wow. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> but, what, happens, what happens in prison stays in prison right <laughs> so how, how does this all tie into Jimmy Hoffa I mean um, I, we do know that there was some instances where uh, they kind of got into arguments in prison kind of and um, the thing about it is Ed, it's quite possible Ed might have even been his fucking soulmate like they knew each other pretty good like um Ed recounts one story where um where Jimmy called him a homo, which is not politically correct. Right. So that's I I didn't say it. Ed said it. Ed said it. In his book you can go read it. But this would have been enough to piss Ed off, you know. That'd have yeah. been easy to make him mad because he's a pretty self loving kind of guy, like yeah. like I love myself. <laughs> and keep in mind that a lot I mean, a lot of this is in his book that he wrote. Yeah. The metamorphosis of a criminal. Yeah. 
yeah, that exact quote is from his book. Um, and the thing is, like, Ed was sentenced to 16 years, but he only pulled, what was it, five or six? Yeah, I think five or six. Very strong possibility that Jimmy helped him get parole. Because Jimmy Hoffa arranged for him to have a job when he got out of prison driving trucks. So, he kn they knew each other good enough to where Jimmy Hoffa helped him get a job. Um, and anything like that, so... And again, you know, he may have held a grudge against him because of some of the little spats that they had. Yeah. Now this is something that I like to cover. April, who turned it, who turned that in, we've we've discussed how in the hell did he get out of all this trouble? How did he always get away with everything? Ed, she said that Ed was always mingling with the FBI. Yeah. And if you remember, on the first episode, we talked about a letter he wrote to the FBI that they found later in his personal archives or whatever and a lot of times for his if and this is something we I guess we probably should have covered this in the first episode but didn't he was an informer a lot of times on people he was in prison with and that was part of the I guess reason as well that he would get paroled or probation is because he was a snitch yeah. And another thing about Ed, too, that we didn't cover, that I, figured, I, I purposely left it out for the end, toward the end for this episode. There were times when people that were suspected that Ed set up, that Ed actually testified against. Right. There was one time in particular, and I didn't write down, I should have, but honestly, it got lost whenever I was going through the 45 fucking pages of about have. Um, there was a guy getting ready to get released from prison for one of the crimes that Ed probably did, but framed this guy. Ed testified against him. Yeah. Yeah, to keep him in prison. So maybe, you know, going back to uh, Hoffa, maybe Hoffa shared some stuff, too, with Ed, and Ed shared stuff with Hoffa on things they've done, things they were into, blah, blah, blah. For sure. And maybe he thought... Maybe Jimmy Hoffa knew a little too much about him. Yeah. So, if you believe the what they think happened to Jimmy Hoffa, he was supposed to meet some friends at that restaurant. What was? Do you remember the name of the restaurant? No. But um, apparently they heard. Apparently Jimmy had went to a telephone booth. Was it was arguing with somebody on the phone? Then somebody came and picked him up in the car, and they drove off, and he was never seen again. Right. Like um. There was the guy that was with him went in to get coffee at the diner, yeah. and Jimmy was at the phone booth yeah. and come out, and he was gone, and they'd seen a car drive away. Now, in the world that we live in today, most people are pretty gullible and things of that nature. So you probably think that Robert De Niro took him to a house and shot him in the back of the head, <laughs> if you believe in the movie. A little, a little bit, Just a little bit. I think that him and. Um, him and Ed were probably pretty close because they shared these intimate moments, telling stories to each other in prison, maybe sharing a little licking each other. I mean, I mean, uh, speaking to each other, <laughs> sharing a little snuggle every now and again. Because I mean, them concrete rooms they get cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe they were arguing about something. Maybe Ed was pissed off about something at work. 
came to pick him up to talk about it because he was the teamster, he was the leader, or whatever, you know, like, I don't like the way they're doing me, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it probably killed him. So there's you another theory to bounce around your head. Because, I mean, how in the hell, how in the fucking hell is that know all these people besides being in prison with them like what's the chances that you know throughout this history he just lines up he's photographed with fucking black dolly more than likely photographed at the funeral of those three kids yeah. he puts himself into everything like he he forcibly puts himself into everything to where there's evidence of him being there it and to me it's just as sad to say, as sad to put it this way, it was masterful. Very much, yeah. Like, and, I mean, it's insane. Like, he makes friends with one of the most famous people in America at the time, in prison. That famous man turns up missing. But, you know, yeah, he had ties to the mafia and shit. But, and he probably pissed the mafia off. He probably snitched, honestly. Yeah. He I, did snitch, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Probably did. But, um, chances Ed killed Jimmy Hoffa, I'd say, I'd say 50%. <laughs> I, I would, I would, yeah, I would go halfway on that. I'd go halfway. It could have been him. It could have been Robert De Niro. Who fucking knows? A little bit. I kind of wish they'd find Jimmy Hoffa. They never will. Not now. I mean, no. It's, it's too far gone. I, I'm, I imagine it was another thing that Ed liked to do was, uh, which we won't talk about much is uh the way he disposed of some of the bodies he liked to blow bodies up yeah i like to spread them around i yeah. guess so so to say yeah so jimmy hoffa may be in many places maybe a place next to you <laughs> <laughs> never know but anyway so starting in 1979 there was a horrific span of killings that started in Atlanta, Georgia, they later become known as the Atlanta Child Murders. Um, for no, so three, so basically, after this happened, there was another instance where three people died in Pennsylvania in a fire, and there was a guy named Louis Denicchio that was convicted of arson and murder. He was exonerated in 1994 after a retrial. Now, this is the one I was talking about a minute ago. This is the guy that Edwards actually testified in court against in that in the in the retrial. Yeah. So there he is putting himself in there. And what was Ed what was Ed what did Ed like to do a lot? He liked the limelight. And he liked to burn shit down. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was getting ready to say that. Down. Yeah. He was charged with arson before. Numerous times. Numerous times. Yeah. So So back to the Atlanta child murders, so what this is in reference to in the, in the Atlanta child murders uh, basically occurred between 1979 and 1981. During this time, there was at least 29 children and adults murdered in a, the Atlanta metropolitan area. Uh, there are numerous victims of these of these sprees that should be remembered um, and can be found on the internet. Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't take down all their names. They were slain in vicious manners from being shot, strangled, blunt force trauma, other right. things. And keep in mind that the, one of the things about Ed Edwards too is of the crimes that he murders he admitted to, they were multiple ways that he killed. He was not, <laughs> you know, you know, um, 
pigeonholed into one type of killing. He mm-hmm. didn't strangle everyone. He didn't shoot everyone. Danny Boy, he shot him. Yeah. The Two Lovers Lane murders, he did strangulation and beating and shot. I mean, yeah. he didn't have a preferred way of killing. No. And keep in mind, too, um, when we talked about the Zodiac, I forgot to bring this back up, but um, by knife, by gun, by rope, you know. Zodiac was the same way. Yeah, Zodiac was the same way. Uh, it's commonly believed that uh, Wayne Williams, who was 23 years old at the time, he was, it's pretty much believed that he did that, that he that he killed everybody. It's even in that movie, um, that show on uh, Netflix. Um I forgot what it's called. I forget what it's called too. It's a good show though. Go check it out. But the cases, uh, but the but since that happened, the cases was actually reopened last in 2019. Just two years ago. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're hoping that the new technology and everything will lead to some convictions. Now you may say, how is that tied into this? Well, there was a letter sent um, in 1981. Um, to a TV station by the Zodiac and what it said was hello it's me haven't you figured out who's killing these little people yet I used to stalk women but now I like to kill children um the Zodiac obviously was trying to take credit for this and as we discovered with 100% no doubt Edwards is the Zodiac Killer. I think he is. I think he is, for sure. Because there's there's other people that claim that their parents were the Zodiac. I could go out there and say my dad was the Zodiac. He was a truck driver back then. He could have done it. Hell, he might have been the smiley face killer. <laughs> Fuck your nose. Um, but, um, I doubt it. He was not Scott. But, <laughs> but ain't the nice ones always the ones to look out for. True. But, um... That's why they always do the interviews on these people. It's like, he was such a good neighbor, so friendly and polite, never got into trouble, blah, blah, blah. I'm hoping my neighbor's on news one day saying that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. My, na- my neighbor's going to be like, he was an asshole. He'd come out butt naked in his yard and take leaks, man. He was a weirdo. So you may think, um, how's Edwards even going to do this? Well, in 1979, he did live in Florida. Um, he started living in Florida, and he would tra- he would go between Florida, Atlanta, and Pennsylvania. Uh, he was living in Alcala. Now, he burned several homes in Pennsylvania and Ohio and was fleeing with his wife and children. So his wife remembers that he was interviewed by two FBI agents in her, about Jimmy Hoffa, which we discussed earlier. Wow, I just saw that sentence where it says... Uh... Edward fleed with his uh, family um, after that interview about Hoffa and forced his family to stop all contacts with friends. And his children told of Ed killing small black boys with baseball bats during this time. Keep in mind, the Chicago Three, that's, you know, the ones he laid in the cross, Mm kind of like the symbol of the Zodiac. And uh, he's in with uh, he's sell he sold all his belongings and moved his family from campgrounds between Florida, close to Georgia, which is Atlanta, yeah. and Arizona. He traveled between the East Coast and West Coast repeatedly, and through Atlanta during the murder of the 24 black children. 
uh, his, I mean. Yeah, and one thing about it is, um, when he was he was arrested for a fire he started in Pennsylvania, um, and when they during this fire they found a Marietta, Georgia Police Department uniform. The person that was committing these lying child murders, they believed, was wearing a uniform. And which is how he was getting these kids. So a cop who's going, who are the kids are going to trust more than a cop. When they busted Ed in 1982, he was living with a police officer. So research. Yeah, and he was also photographed with a captain of the Atlanta Police Department. So here's the thing: he was more than likely killing these kids. He had the uniform of a Marietta police officer. And he was living with a cop. So, what the hell, you know? He, 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 it's a very fair chance he did this. Um, and the cop said that the killer was watching their movements because at first he would just kind of chuck the bodies out wherever, you know, um, leave them laying out in the sun, whatever. But then uh, they started saying that there was fibers found, and so the murderer started declothing. I don't think that the that they were watching on TV. I think that he was getting it straight from the cop he lived with. Maybe. What do you think about that? I, You know what I think about Edward, Ed Edwards is I think he was so incredible at committing murders, getting away with, manipulating people. He may have been supernatural. Dude, he might have. Like, he might have been like a fucking psychic or something. He, like he may have been a demon. It's possible. Uh, possess Hell, he may have been the freaking devil. Yeah, <laughs> he might have been. Because if if an inkling of this stuff is true, he was a master of manipulation, for sure. And like Ed was notoriously racist too. Like, and there was a story when John Edwards' son, John Edwards' Ed's son, was being bullied by an African American child, and he told Ed about it. Well, that kid disappeared. But they later found him. Guess what? It, guess what? He's beaten to death with a bat. Kind of like his kids said he did. Yep, just like that. So there's more evidence if you call that call it that. There's um here's something that's strange about this, and this is why I think this is all tied together. There was a letter sent on March eighth, nineteen eighty one, and the letter was sent out that read, "Please stop force busing." B-U-S-S-I-N-G. Right. And if you don't know what forced busing is, that was where they would actually bus kids uh, from like uh, African-American communities into areas that were mostly predominantly white. They would, and vice versa, they would send white kids to the the African-American schools. They would, even though it was way out of where they lived, and busing is obviously spelled B-U-S-I-N-G. So the double S is double consonants here. again. So and it said, "Or I'll kill three more black boys in Atlanta in March." Um, so that right there, how is that? There's no way that's a coincidence that the double S is showing up everywhere. So that's three times. At least documented. Yeah, and it ties all these together because I mean, how random would it be? that three different killers use the same type of writing I, there's no way I don't know it's it's even it's almost 
I, and I think he got a hard on by doing that. He's like, watch this. I'll do that for these murders. Yeah. I'll do that for the Zodiac murders. I'll do that. I mean. Yeah, just everything. I don't understand it, man, because, like, this right here, for that, that ties everything together for me. Like, so for me, I believe that he for, for sure was this, this guy, too, more than likely. 85% chance I'll give it. <laughs> so, because he was in there, you know, the letters, the letter from the Zodiac saying that he was in town, and then this letter with the double S's, you could say that it was somebody's just being a copycat. I don't think anybody that was a copycat would be, like, that intelligent to include that many details. Do you? No, I don't think so. so. Um, this... <laughs> And then, you know, if, so, so let's say he's Zodiac, let's say, he, you know, obviously he did the ones he admitted to, and he's Atlanta, he's going, he's busting into 60, 70 plus murders now. Fuck yeah, more than that, because I left out, I left out like, maybe another 20. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, there's a lot more. There's so many maybes yeah. that he could have done that have some type of link that, I mean, you know. Y'all yeah. can decide what you want to decide, but we're just laying it out there for you. So this is the part to where we're going to kind of branch off from the way we've been doing this. Because this was the last mass, like, significant, like a lot of numbers, serial killings that he's probably did. All right. Um, we're going to go into some of the more prolific ones. Um, now, I want to throw this one in just because of the impact it had on American history and everything. And I, I consider it as one of the ones that popularized true crime, honestly. And um, on, January, on July 27, 1981, in Hollywood, Florida, at the Hollywood Mall, do you know what happened there? Tell me about it. Well, it's theorized that Ed Edwards, who lived in the area in 1981, obviously, right. kidnapped and dismembered Adam Walsh. Do you know who Adam Walsh is? Tell me who Adam Walsh is. If you're unaware of who this is, this is the son of John Walsh. And if you don't know who he is, then you have lived under a rock your whole life or you was born in 2004, which you'd be almost an adult now. Um, John Walsh started American, America's Most Wanted. So, dun, dun, dun. yeah, so it's very likely that he killed Adam Walsh. Well, not very likely because there was somebody that actually admitted to this one. Um, Otis, what was it, Otis Tool, I believe it was. He used to hang out with Henry, um, Portrait of a Serial Killer is made after it. Uh, I will think of it. It'll, this will be one of those other ones where it pops up on yeah. the screen. But, um, but he, he admitted to this, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it could have done it. Um, they think that the reason he did it was to uh, tie, because it was done in Hollywood, Florida, to tie into the Hollywood, California, 1947 killing Elizabeth Short. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. So my consensus on the Atlanta child killings is he did it. What do you think? Uh, I'm uh, on that one. I'm I would say I'm about 85 percent. I'd put it around 85, leaning toward 90, um, more than likely. Just too much evidence. Like, he had the uniform, he stayed with the cops, he would got he would have had in-depth insight on what's going on. And that's what he liked to do. Yeah, for sure. 
um, so now at this point we're going to kind of just start breaking it down into famous stuff because honestly we're tired of saying Ed Edwards <laughs> I'm tired of thinking about Ed Edwards uh, Mr. Cameron if you ever see this man much respect to you for yes. going on as long as you have I really hope something comes out of this um, but we're just going to start touching on a, we're going to touch on a couple more the John Bonet one John Bonet Ramsey. John Bonet Ramsey. If you don't know who this was, do you want to tell everybody who John Bonet was? This was like the America's Little Sweetheart Girl. Um, she was. This was nineteen. Uh, she. This was nineteen ninety six. She was uh, six years old. Uh, she was found beaten and strangled to death after an intense search where she had went missing, and everyone thought she'd been kidnapped. Is this far fetched? Well, here's some evidence. Uh, it's believed that Edwards may have killed John Bonet. Ed lived in Colorado several times. The ransom note, which was written on Patsy's notepad, could have been easily obtained as Ramsey's had open houses during the holidays. You know, hundreds of people. Hundreds there. of people would come by to in and out of the house. Ed Edwards' son worked for a company uh, uh, closely, which was John's company. They worked closely with John's company. Yeah, yeah um, worked with the John, who was their father. Yeah. Um, now, the letter that they sent out for this. Um, get this, here it comes again. The, the ransom note, guess what happened in this? Spelled business with two S's. Two S's. Yeah, B U S S I N E S S, um, which is the same thing the Zodiac did, uh, which is the same thing the Lion Child Killer did, which is the same thing that uh, doctor that doctor's the note to the doctor did. Yeah, I mean, I just don't get that, man. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. Um, and one thing about it is. I know this doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. There was a quote in that letter that said, if you, if we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. That's a direct quote from, uh, that's a direct quote from a Dirty Harry movie where they're chasing the scorpion killer, who is... Scorpio. The Scorpio killer, who is the Zodiac killer. Yeah, and that's based on the Zodiac killer. Yeah. Gee, huh, how about that? Yeah. Uh, so, and also, like, John Bonet told a friend that she was going to get a special visit from Santa after Christmas. During this time, Edwards had in fact gained a lot of weight, could have pulled off a good Santa Claus. And his family did say he had a Santa Claus suit. Um, the only thing that kind of says no about this is um, Edwards' kids claim to have found a picture from the 1996 Christmas they had but there's no date on it they were yeah. little kids you know and the, the end of the letter said victory SBTC um, Cameron says that this means signed by the cross which is the Zodiac, Zodiac cross. cross yeah there's not a lot of strong evidence behind that no one. but I mean you never know it's worth going over yeah another one that we like to just touch base on and this one was a huge like 
uh, American phenomenon when the documentary came out. Stephen Allen Avery. And if you have not watched that documentary, then you're probably the only person that hasn't. Yeah. Ironically. Uh, <laughs> he was a guy that was a convicted murderer from Manitowoc County, Wisconsin. Um, who had previously been wrongly convicted in 1986 of a sexual assault and attempted murder. Uh, after serving 18 years of a 32-year prison sentence, he was exonerated by DNA testing and released in 2003, only to be charged with two other murders. With with another two years later. Yeah. In 2007, uh, Stephen Avery was sentenced to life in prison. I'll let you pick it up from there. So the person that he was accused of killing was this photographer named Teresa Holbeck. She disappeared on October 31st, 2005. And you know, this is something I didn't want to touch on till the end either. If you've been paying attention to these dates, what do they all have in common? Holidays. They're almost every fucking one on a holiday. She was a allegedly the last seen meeting with Avery at the home grounds of Avery Auto Salvage Yard. And she was going to photograph his sister's minivan that he's offering to sell on autotrader.com because that's what he did. And if you've ever watched the documentary, they had a fucking treasure trove of vehicles at yeah. that place. Yeah, they did. I need to go there and get a new door for that fucking century. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I wonder if they've got a window pane for a 2003 Tahoe because I need one. We should call them. Uh, they probably won't let you even come there anymore, I bet. Probably not. Uh, anyway. Well, anyway, Hallback's vehicle was found partially concealed in the savage yard and bloodstains recovered from the interior matched Avery's DNA. Uh, investigators later found charred bone fragments um, in the burn pit near Avery's home. So Avery was, in fact, a killer, you know. Or was he? Or was he? Or was he? Now, I know you've probably watched this and you're... There's evidence that they didn't include in that documentary on Netflix, uh, making a murder. Um, like uh, they found a shell casing in the garage, and they think they found where the blood happened. You know, but the blood in the car literally looked like somebody dropped it out of a fucking teardrop on the steering wheel. Yeah, not exactly splattered. <laughs> not exactly splattered. Um, Stephen Avery, you know, yeah, maybe he killed her. Um, obviously, Brendan, you know, isn't very smart or whatever. Um, but were they be would they be dumb enough to leave the fucking vehicle on their own property right there? Just right there. What are they gonna do with it? Just leave it there forever? Like, oh, we got too many cars, they'll never find it. I mean, I guess that could be a train of thought behind it, but. A lot of things about that don't line up, and uh, most people put this off on the cops covering, like trying to make him to be the killer, like you know, like, uh-huh. because he's getting that, all that money and shit. I think Ed's thing was he liked to frame people. Yep. So more than likely, he probably framed it. Framed he's, Avery. He saw this as an opportunity. Yep. Um, and I mean, you know, that was that was one of his things too. He loved to frame people. He loved to snitch on people. He loved to manipulate. Yeah. So, they theorized that Teresa was shot on the left side of the head 
and then in the back of the head execution saw, which is very similar almost to the T of how Ed killed his son and other victims. Yeah. And if you if you go to research on some of this, you've got to watch the confession of Ed Edwards about how he killed Danny Boy. Oh yeah, for sure. Just so the theory goes that Ed uh, basically killed her, shot her, um, then blew up her remains, and then planted them on the Stephen Avery's property, which he had done before, <laughs> obviously. And he did this to make the cops look stupid. Now, why would he do this? Why wouldn't he do it? He was always out for the fame. It was the challenge. It was, I thought. I think it was. I mean, who, who knows if he did these? You know, we're not. These are all theories, but. He loved, I think he loved the challenge of it. I do too. And like, Steve Avery was a high profile character at this particular point in Wisconsin and just so happens Ed kind of lived around the area and came through there a lot. And another thing is, there's a video, Darren making a murderer, making of a murderer, where it looks like Ed is in the fucking courthouse <laughs> while they're talking to the goddamn attorney. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's standing right there. Ooh. Um, guy looks just fucking like it like just standing uh, right there i'm gonna have to back up and watch that yeah like it so yeah it's quite possible or maybe just like going to other crime scenes you know like yeah but like all the time yeah like uh, history tells us whenever he went to that one he he'd been shot and he probably he probably did that one so he took his family to that one that he got busted for he like putting himself into everything it seemed like so that the making the murder the ones we're going over right now are the ones that i feel like are probably far-fetched yeah these are these are low confidence yeah but i'll give them 25%. the theories are there yeah i'll give them 25 <laughs> percent. so you know we're coming to the end uh we're going to cover one more that was pretty famous uh the lacey peterson one now this one I feel like it's far-fetched but maybe not this is this is one of the biggest stretches of what but still yet there's some here it is yeah there's some evidence there so Lacey's body was actually found not too far away from where the zodiac last attacked somebody to our knowledge um, the baby and mother were found separated well she disappeared when she's pregnant so Right. Uh, when Connor showed up on the beach five months after Lacey disappeared, um, the coroner said it didn't match up with a body that had been in a bay because they found him on the side of the, like on the beach basically, right. of a bay, and he was supposedly in this bay for five months, but the decomp decompos decompos decomposition didn't really match up. So it seems like the killer hit the body somewhere from Christmas to Easter because it took forever for the bodies to wash ashore, supposedly wash ashore. After that, after Scott was arrested, letters started showing up. Um, now one thing to keep in mind, I said this didn't happen too far away from the last Zodiac killings, on the last Zodiac attack. There was a woman by the name of Kathleen Jones and her baby. Hey, this did come into play. I thought I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> it all came back around. I think it all came back around. A man waved her over um, to fix her loose wheel because he said, hey, he's driving behind her, seeing her wheel wobbling. He's like, hey, your fucking wheel's wobbling. Let me fix that for you. Well, he didn't fix it. 
So he started following, after he fixed it, she started driving down the road and the car started shaking because he had loosened the damn wheel. So then he's like, well, it must just be fucked up, you know. Let me give you a ride. And that's when uh, shit went a little sideways. Um, he was basically getting ready to kill her. So she just fucking bailed. She jumped out of the fucking car. Right. And um, if you watch the movie, uh, the Zodiac, that's 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 in the movie, that little instance right there. Yeah. So there's a very solid chance that he did the same thing with Lacey. Maybe, and since it was so close to that last Zodiac attack, and he didn't get to fulfill that kill, maybe in his old age he's like, I'm going to go back and fix that. Yeah, you know? I'm going to do it right this time. Yeah. So, there was apparently a investigation from for Scott Peters. There's an investigator. They hired a, hired a private investigator who found out that there's a burglary directly across the street. And there was a van found with blood stains and things like that, but the police wouldn't look into it. And what was in, what was in one of his favorite pastimes? He liked to steal shit. He liked to steal shit constantly. So, this is kind of strange. The investigator said that the baby had tape around it which made people think it was part of a satanic ritual. And again, Ed loved it cold. But one thing that stood out to me about this was, you remember those murders in Chicago? Yeah, didn't they put tape they, over the wounds? They put adhesive tape over the wounds. So, this, for me, I feel like if he did this, which I don't put a lot of weight into it, it was like a combination of like, a grandstand basically like a last good one put all the little pieces of all my career into one into one little into one slain so yeah. and it it isn't too far outside of the, the realm of belief to think that he would kill a pregnant woman because Verna was pregnant I mean he killed you know if he was the Atlanta killer he killed all kinds of little kids yeah, he killed, so so maybe that's how he got infatuation. Now again, this is something we haven't brought up since the first episode, but a lot of these women we talk about look just like or very similar to his mother. Right. So this is one thing. There's a lot of evidence against Scott that's pretty lacking. Um, basically, the reason that he was arrested for this is because he fished in the area. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he went fishing in that area. Like, that'd be like, you, heaven forbid, I hate to bring it up like this, like if somebody found Paula in Lower right. Lake. <laughs> that'd be like, well, that's where David fishes all the time. I mean, he goes there, he goes fishing there all the time, and it's probably him. Yeah. <laughs> like, we ain't got no other like, evidence. But... That's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a ridiculous thing. Like, they don't really have much other than that. So, even even if Ed didn't do it, Scott Peterson might not have done it. 20% chance Ed did it, 20% Scott didn't. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, what, that's, that's one way like. of putting it, that's yeah. That's what I feel like. So, that's basically the end of that. Um, you know... I said that I was going to tell you what I thought this was at the end of all this. I want to hear your thoughts about what you think everything is, just to sum up everything that we've went over all this. I know we kind of just kind of hip-fired the last two episodes right. we did, but this is, 
a lot of information to get out there and we really want you to research this on your own and if anybody ever wants to come on and bring this back up fucking message us we'll do it again yeah i'm not going to do the research again i'll ask you <laughs> questions but <laughs> we've got we've got plenty of research <laughs> well this is what i think no doubt that ed killed more than he admitted to no doubt that his childhood was so rough that it lent him to be possibly a killer um no doubt that he loved to manipulate people uh whether it was you know getting in and out of prison by snitching on people and tattling and uh you know he basically had this big facade when he said he was reformed and when he really wasn't he, he was a master of manipulation and i think this was all just one gigantic game to him and it was probably the most well-played game of any killer ever i i think that too in a way but i think it might be a little bit more so my theory about the whole thing after he escaped this orphanage i might have brought this up earlier I feel like after he escaped the orphanage, he fell into a menteeship with a criminal. And that criminal was the guy that they framed the murders on for the three in Chicago. Yeah. Alright. And I think Ed turned him in to get him busted. So Ed learned from this guy. Finally went back to reform school. And in 1950 something else began in the United States that people consider a conspiracy and it is the MK Ultra right I personally believe that he didn't go AWOL I think that he was a trained killer from somebody that went to the MK Ultra project and they released him into the wild into to the see wild what he could do to see what he could do because he got away with so much with so little light senses and that is one of the trademarks of the mk ultra conspiracy is that they tested that on prisoners yep and he was a prisoner quite a bit yeah so he got he the reason he got the lead juvenile detention was because he signed up for the military wow you've put a new you put a new egg in my basket on this because I think that he was trained to be an MK Ultra agent and they just put him out in the wall to use him for whenever they wanted to but he used his new developed skills in his previous life where he was trained by this maniac and he already had it in his blood he just went around it was almost him. like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing yep wow that's what I think Wow, we've turned a crime <laughs> into a full-blown conspiracy. I honestly think that because it makes sense to me because, like, the parole officer that called. Yeah, why didn't we ever find out his name and who that was? Who and, the fuck was that? And why didn't they investigate him for the murders after he hit the FBI's terror most wanted? 
the evidence was very strong. <laughs> the evidence was extremely strong. He was shot. He was there. Like, that one right there should have put him away. But it didn't. They got him from Berkeley. And um, just so happens to put him with one of the most prolific people in America at the time that was running against the um, mafia who had direct ties to the CIA. And then that person ended up disappearing. Yeah. I'm going to go in the corner <laughs> and crawl up into a ball right now and implode. So I think that the chances that he did all this is probably highly likely, and I think that he was an MK Ultra agent. Well, going back to what I was saying, I, I think <laughs> he was he was a genius. Yeah. And I, if if he was, you know, that's your theory is awesome. <laughs> I think that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a genius. He loved. It was a game to him. And I think maybe he was so good at it. Maybe he was supernatural. Maybe. Maybe he was of another world, another plane, and this was just his playground and how he played the game. Very well could be, but it's just crazy that he was so around all these influent, influ all these famous people. You know. Yeah. It's just crazy, and um, that's pretty much it, Edwards. Pretty much, but there's still a lot more to the story. God, my, there's so much more, man. Um, so if you didn't know about Ed Edwards before, yeah, check him out now. By gosh, you know now. <laughs> and, and there's still a lot more. Yeah. Just go check it out yourself. There's timelines on the internet. Uh, there's one that's called uh, Cold Case Killers that goes yeah decade by decade. I suggest checking that out. Um, if nothing else, it's a good read uh, by, by John Cameron's book. And I feel like this is something that doesn't get brought up enough because more than likely this was one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Yeah, he could have been the reigning champion. For sure. And with that... That will... <laughs> that is our third and final episode on Ed Edwards. Uh, we want to say some, you know, thank yous out to all of our fans. We appreciate our new subscribers. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you're sharing it with your friends. Uh, let them know about us. Um, and I'll let Cecil go into, you know, all of our stuff here that he does at the end of every one. On to the beers, Nash. <laughs> go check out the Twitter, Bipolar underscore Teddy. Oh, fuck, Bipolar underscore TB. Uh, Instagram bipolar underscore teddy bear. Thank you, you know, so much for all our subscribers. Like we had said, and make sure if you're watching this and you haven't subscribed, that you hit subscribe on YouTube. Uh, and if you ever want to be a guest, reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram or email us at bipolar underscore teddy bear at outlook.com. And you know, thank you so much for watching us because we're watching you.